don't we just stop for a moment? Lord, you're good. You are good. Through all the ups and downs and the curved balls that this life can throw at us. You are the one constant and we bless your name. Amen. Grab your seats. I'm back off a couple of weeks holiday. I was going to take a week, try and sneak a week, and I got a sneaky two weeks. How good's that? I'm jumping out of my skin. I'm so, uh, so refreshed. So I thought I'm going to start a new series today and uh, might be a little bit of a short series, but I wanted to encourage us with some Bible characters. Here we go. Dave's going to sort that out behind me. And uh, because I'm so fresh, I was on holidays, got the chance to play a little bit of instrument and I thought I will actually do something. I'm going to sing you a ditty. Something country? <clears throat> no, I don't want to empty the place any faster than I need to. But actually, it's uh, going to tie in with this series. And uh, it's a, probably it's a song that uh, once upon a time I really frowned upon and I thought the person who says that they're a Christian, how could they sing a song like this? And then the older I got, the more it resonated with me. And I thought, I actually think for the first time in my life, time in my life I know what this person's trying to say. I actually think it's not that they weren't a Christian, it's just that they were a more honest Christian than me at the time. I have climbed the highest mountains I have run through the fields Only to be with you Only to be with you I have run, I have crawled, I have scaled these city walls, these city walls, only to be with you, but I still haven't found what I've been looking for, no, I still haven't found It burned like a fire This burning desire I have spoke With the tongues of angels I have held The hand of the devil It was warm in the night I was cold as a stone But I still been looking for No, I still haven't found what I've been looking for Well, I believe in the kingdom come and all the colors will bleed in one bleed into one Now, Yes, I'm still I still haven't found 
what I've been looking for. Thank you. Now, as I said, I remember first hearing that song somewhere in the 90s. Of course, Bono at that stage was uh, quite a high-profile character, and it came out that he was a Christian. And I, I remember how judgmental and narrow I was back then. And I heard that song, and I thought, how can you sing that you've experienced Jesus and the power of the cross and say you still haven't found what you're looking for? And, of course, the whole song, I guess, as I've gotten older, I don't know what gets in our head. I mean, whoever told us that just because you meet Jesus, everything's perfect? I know that's an ideal, and it's sort of an ideal, and, and, and I don't think anyone actually preaches that, but I think we get the impression of that. Yeah. And then as life progresses, if that's not your experience, you can become really disillusioned with the bits that are missing. Because all of human experience is incomplete. That song talks about, you know, it starts the first verses a little bit, and I'm not going to preach the song, I'm just saying it illustrates a point. You know, it starts with this, this sense of I would pursue, I would go anywhere to get a hold of what I want to get a hold of. Yeah. And then I've got a hold of it and I realise I still haven't actually found what I'm looking for. Yeah. And then the middle verse is like the passion of human love. And as good as that might be, there is always something incomplete. Yeah. Not yeah. quite there. And look, I can understand that stuff, but when it gets to the last verse and it talks about the cross and Jesus breaking chains and experiencing freedom in Christ, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. As I said, once upon a time, I really struggled with that. I didn't think that was right until I got older. And you realise that I think because we will always be human, there will always be something in the human experience, that is lacking. Yeah. This side of seeing Jesus face to face, yeah. we are just stuck kind of in the middle, a little bit like Jesus on the cross, hanging between heaven and earth. The Son of God comes to earth to redeem humanity, ends up hanging between heaven and earth. He's like in this in-between state on the cross. And I think we are. And inter interestingly, Jesus said, you're going to have to carry your own cross. And this, the, the series and the thought that I want to look at over the next few weeks is, um, is just this, you know, this dichotomy, this, this two things, this paradox of being human. And you see it all through scripture with Bible characters. And unless we're prepared to look at Bible characters, how they're really presented in Scripture, uh, we, we, we tend to only look at the good things. We get an idealistic view of how things should be and we tend to ignore the way things really were and then we try and paint ourselves into a frame of how things should be and it's like all of a sudden we're not relating to people in Scripture. Yeah. Yeah. But when you look at the actual pain of humanity... Uh, and this is the funny thing, you know, just as I've gotten older, I've sort of thought, you know, for years and years and years as a, as a young pastor, etc., I just focused on theology, 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 and that's very, very good. The only problem is theology and 
God is only half the church. The other half is people. So my more recent studies have been more anthropological, trying to understand man a bit. And it's amazing how scripture comes alive when you realise that the people in scripture were actually real people. (laughs) They're actually real people, just like you and me. And we have stories, like even in the New Testament, weird stories, like Ananias and Sapphira. Does anyone struggle with that? Them getting wiped out. Ananias and Sapphira, early days of the church, people were being very generous, selling land, etc., giving stuff away, bringing it to the apostles' feet. These guys sold land and they lied about what they sold it for. They brought a little port or a portion of it, but they held back a little bit for themselves, told the apostles this was everything, and they got struck down on the spot. Wow. What do you do with that in the New Testament? Come on, let's be honest. Christians, what do we do with that? You know, I used to say things like, really pat answers that young pastors give, like, oh, well, it was a revival atmosphere. God had to sort of weed out the bad eggs before it spread through the church. And that might be true. I don't know. It's a weird story, no matter which way you look at it. But here's the question I think we need to ask from people's point of view. I'd be interested to know, do you think they're in heaven? Because I do. I mean... They did sell their land. They were generous. What they had was incomplete obedience. Mm. Wow. Okay. Now I've heard preachers say, incomplete obedience is no obedience at all. Oh, there's a certain truth to that. Uh, The only problem is, anyone here familiar with incomplete obedience? I wonder if it's part of your journey. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> People up the back, they're like manifest sons of God. They're looking at me like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Where are you taking this? Ananias and Sapphira. And then we go to some of the greatest heroes in the scripture, which is where I want to go over the next few weeks. So this series is going to be called Heroes and Villains. Heroes and Villains. And guess what? They're one and the same. (laughs) The hero is the villain. First one I want to look at is Abraham. Why not start at the start? Let's look at Abraham, the hero and the villain. I better open my notes. Did you like my song? Who wants me to sing country one week? (laughs) Yeah, there was nowhere near the enthusiasm for that. Nowhere near it. Okay. Let's get on. I've got to finish this up quick. So we know that Abraham, you know, he's the the founder, in a sense, you could put it that way, of the Israelite nation. And God called him out of, you know, out of a pagan nation. But the funny thing is, to him, he wasn't in a pagan nation. He was just doing life. We say that in retrospect. It's exactly the same for us. I mean, I I became a Christian at 21 years of age, was living terribly until God invaded my life. And if you'd said, Chris, you were living in a pagan state, I would have gone, no, I'm just being Chris. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And now I know Jesus, so everything's changing. And that was exactly the same for Abraham. God calls him out, starts a whole new family line and a whole new uh, family on the earth. That is Abraham's story. Story. All of Israel anchors its hope upon him. The New Testament anchors our hope 
as modern New, New Testament believers, no matter what nation you're from, we anchor our hope into Abraham too because he was an absolute hero of the faith. And I just want to read maybe at the end of the story after Abraham follows God. We know he's got a fairly unusual story. But this is how the New Testament lands on Abraham. Where it finishes and it's the, uh, the Apostle James says, And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Listen to it. And he was called God's friend. There's something about believing that really pleases God. And that's what Abraham did. As a matter of fact, if you think about it, when we believe, when we just exercise faith in the unseen, we hear the word faith rises in our heart and we exercise faith in that, we please God. And my conviction is, this is not, please, this is not, you know, maybe a tested theory. This is just my thinking. My theory is, is it's the one thing. Why does faith please God? It's the one thing he lost in the garden. You know, when Adam and Eve just decided to go, you know, I'm not really sure whether I can trust what God said. I think I'll try it my own way. It was actually faith that was lost. And now it's interesting, but the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And of course, now Abraham, he believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness. In other words, it brought him into right standing with God. And then James goes further than any of the Old Testament writers about Abraham. And he said, and he was called God's friend. The friend of God. So Abraham's an absolute hero. He got trust. I wonder if you can celebrate your strengths. The New Testament celebrates Abraham's. We're going to get to other parts of the story in a moment. But can you celebrate your strengths? Do you recognise what you're actually... What's the hero element of you? Because I guarantee there is one. Even amongst the most broken amongst us, there will be a hero element. There'll be something that could be championed. And I just wonder how good you are at celebrating that. The New Testament celebrates Abraham in spite of some of the other elements of the story that we'll look at in a moment but it celebrates him, can you celebrate you? If someone says to you, you know, you're really good at that, can you go, thank you? Thanks for the encouragement. I've been in places where it was like, someone would say to me, or someone would say, um, if I'd say to them, gee, you sang well today. They'd go, oh, it's the Lord. It's just the Lord. And I'm like, it's funny, it didn't, you don't, don't look like Jesus. Uh, No, no, you actually have to practice that and sing it and God's blessing can come upon it and anoint you and whatnot. But but actually, no, good on you for investing a bit of time and developing your talent. Can you just, can you not use false humility and actually just celebrate yourself? I'm pretty good at that. You know, it's one of my hero strengths. It's one of my superhero powers. I could have done this as a superhero sort of a, a series, couldn't I? But then again, there's, I think we struggle sometimes to do that because there's actually a villain side. (laughs) And sometimes we're just so super aware of the villain side that we just downplay maybe our strengths and what's good about us. 
we're a little bit scared of talking about those things because the villain side might be seen. And we don't walk confidently. So that's what this series I want to bring out is the confidence that we have in Christ. That in spite of being villains, we are heroes. <laughs> and, uh, and God's okay with that. He walked with Abraham in spite of who Abraham was and even called him friend. Let's, let's have a quick look at Abraham, the second part of his story. Abraham, the villain. Gee, I tell you what, I'd be in trouble preaching this in a synagogue, I tell you. But I do think some rabbis would understand where I'm coming from on this. I'm sure they've done similar lessons. You know, the story was not that simple. Abraham Abraham heard from God, left everything he ever knew, went to a land where he didn't know where he was going, and when he got there, God said, now you're here. Literally, that was Abraham's step of faith, and it's our step of faith every time. I'm calling you to go somewhere that you've never been, and you don't actually know where it is, but when you get there, I'll let you know, and you'll know you're there. Uh, has anyone uh, stepped out in faith financially? Has anyone stepped out in faith to bless someone or pray for someone? Or, yep, you're going somewhere you've never been and you don't know the result until you get there. Yes. That's just the walk of faith. So that's, that story's brilliant, but this story. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, this is before he was called Abraham, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said, Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I could build a family through her. And Abraham agreed, of course you would, uh, to what Sarah said. And verse 16, Abraham was 86 years old when uh, Hagar bore him Ishmael. Pretty vigorous old chap, wasn't he? Hey, come on, it's only in the Bible. I am not making things up. It's just that we try and read the Bible with sort of different eyes, with Christian ease. With the same eyes that I would have once judged Bono for writing a song that actually nailed me because he was being more honest than I ever was about my faith. And so, sorry, I don't know who that was for. I think they're sitting over... No, just joking. Okay. Now, I know they're ancient times, they're different times, but that's a difficult human story. Yeah, yeah. 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 true. I, I mean, do you feel for the slave girl? Yeah. Well, we should. Yeah. Even though she got a great season because she had a baby and so she was sort of celebrated at the centre of the house, it didn't last very long yeah. before we have Genesis 21. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. Remember, he's a, he's a, a Bedouin in the dev- desert. Gave these to her. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. So she went away and wandered in the desert of Bathsheba. Here we are in the middle of the desert and I've got one too many children and wives. Here's a skin of water. Good luck. And that's the story. Now, we know that God looked after her, etc. But again, Abraham didn't know God was going to look after her. And it's just part of his story. And think about it. Abraham lived a long time. There had to be a point where I think he had to overcome that part of his life and that story of his life so that he could even move on. You know, it's funny. I look at that and I think... Later generations have lauded Abraham as a hero. 
I wonder if Abraham felt like one. Yeah. Isn't it funny how sometimes heroes got to die? People got to die before they become the hero. Yeah. They're actually always the hero, but you don't recognise it till they're dead, and then everyone's like, "Oh, he was so amazing." And I just wonder how Abraham felt about that. Somehow he had to overcome the, holy smoke, I've had a messy life. So that he can continue to walk in faith and some hero elements continue to emerge in the story. And I think we're like that. If we let things that, yeah, there's less than, can we all agree, there's less than perfect scenarios in all of our lives. And probably the messiest ones, we created. (laughs) No one helped us. But we have to come to terms with that. We somehow have to accept the fact that we're heroes. Humanity at its best. Humanity at its most brilliant. And at times, humanity at its most broken. Humanity at its its most regrettable is true too. And so... Do you want the good news or the bad news first? Good news or bad news? Come on, good news or bad news? I think, uh, well, I'm going to give you both. The good news and the bad news is that we're all like him. The New Testament actually calls him the father of faith, whose children you are, talking to the church. So we we inherit the good, the bad, and the ugly. We, we are heroes in so many ways. When you allow God to shine through you, when you actually fulfill your original vocation of reflecting the image of God, whether that's just in reaching out and loving someone, giving someone a happy smile, being generous in some way, supporting someone through a difficult time, man, that's the best of humanity. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's things we say that we wish we could bite back out of the air. You know the words I'm talking about and situations we're in and people that we're with and we look back and we go, have you got anything that if you actually think about that scenario from earlier in your life, even though no one's around, you blush? Oh, you've never really been a good sinner unless you can do that. (laughs) But that is humanity. That is the reality that we live with and this is where grace comes in this is what grace is all about grace is about the gaps in our lives the awesomeness you know at the end of the day when I'm doing well maybe I don't need grace even though scripture would teach me that it's only by grace that I stand anyway but you know what I'm saying it's like you can forget about grace when you're acting the hero. (laughs) But once you've had a bad day, grace comes alive. Grace is for the gaps, people. Grace is for the paradox of our lives. And um, and it's funny because occasionally when I preach on stuff like this, I have people look at me like, you don't need to change the way you're looking, by the way, but I have people look at me like they really don't understand what I'm talking about. And I always just think this, you've just never been convicted enough. I think I live better for God than I ever have and I'm more convicted than I've ever been about my own brokenness. It's like God just keeps peeling you like an onion, man, and stuff that once upon a time you were quite happy to think, well, that's okay, there's nothing wrong with that. And all of a sudden it's like, I cannot believe I've been thinking this way all this time. 
So stay convicted. Grace is for the gaps. I love this. The New Testament paints Abraham perfect. Here's Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. So that's how the New Testament paints it. It's the hero. Was he a villain? Was, was he a villain? In some elements. But here's the interesting thing. New Testament never vilified him. And you won't find it in scripture anywhere. Where someone who's moving in faith in spite of their incompleteness is, vili- is actually vilified, labelled that way. Do you realise Jesus paints us the same way? Wow. That's how the New Testament's painting Abraham. The New Testament paints us exactly the same. I want to read just a couple of scriptures and I could quote heaps more that I haven't even written down. But Galatians chapter uh, 3 verse 26, 27. So in Christ Jesus, so if you're a believer, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptised into Christ, listen to this, have clothed yourself with Christ. I love that passage. You're clothed with Christ. Who, who does God see when he looks at you? He sees you. You look, like, you look like the son of God to him. You look like his own child. Literally. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who's the head of all principality and power. Man, that seems a far cry from I still haven't found what I'm looking for. So I still haven't found what I'm looking for, and yet Scripture is painting a different picture, saying you are complete. Colossians 3, 3. For our lives are hidden in God, in Christ. Again, when God looks at you, who does he see? He doesn't see the villain. He sees the ultimate hero. (laughs) And he's determined to paint us that way. Because when we're painted that way, we live to the image. Come on, when you know what God really thinks of you, you want to be what he sees. If you live your life under shame and guilt and thinking you're the villain and recalling all the villain acts of the past, which there will be a few of, if you get stuck there, you will never rise to be what God sees you to be. But he's going to keep calling you that anyway. Oh, but I'm not really perfect. Cool. That's why it's grace. Oh, but I've done something really bad. That's why Jesus shed his blood. So you would know you are forgiven you are a new creation in Jesus Christ you might have some good points and some bad points but God only sees the point and that is that Jesus Christ died for you and by taking a step of faith you became the ultimate hero some quick questions as we finish are you doing okay Here's some questions just for us to think about on the human side. Can you give yourself credit where credit is due? Or do you avoid it? Have you got like this little false humility thing? Oh, no, no, it's nothing. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. You know, honestly, if you've got pride that bad that if someone gives you a compliment, you're going to swell up with pride, you've got bigger issues, okay? (laughs) But you should just be able to go, thank you. Man, that's encouraging. 
Chris, you're awesome, you know. Bono ever keels over, they should give you a call. I'll go, yeah, I, th- I was thinking that too. I was thinking that too. <laughs> Just accept yeah. who you are. Yeah. That's very good. With your foibles, because God does. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean you revel in your foibles or you work on them and get them better in the sense of make them worse. Obviously, we, we know ourselves better than anyone. We know the fractures, the cracks, the faults. And I don't think any of us would be sitting here today if we did not want to make those better. We're here because we want to, okay? But what we need to do is focus on who he says that we are. Can you give yourself credit where credit's due? Can you acknowledge and even celebrate your strengths? Second question, are you realistic about your weaknesses? Are you realistic about your weaknesses? This is the other side of the coin. Can you acknowledge them without surrendering to them? Yeah. You know, my favourite pet hate is when so, that's just who I am. It's like, well, if that's crappy, you need to change it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just me. Well, it just shouldn't be. If it's not positive, you know, it just shouldn't be. Let God do a work on you. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit can do. You wouldn't believe what a new creation you can be if you partner with God and do a little bit of surrender. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But you've got to be able to acknowledge it and own it if you're ever going to change it. So can you do that? And lastly, can you receive grace for the gap? Or should I say the gaps in your life where you can go, you know, I do really well here. do really well there. God's done a real work in me here. Oh, I'd rather not talk about that. Can you receive grace for that gap? Because God's given you grace. You're clothed with Christ. Your life's hidden in Him. When He looks at you, He sees Jesus. Can you see yourself that way too? Can you receive grace for the gap between expectation and reality? What I should be and what I am. Because favour, the favour of God builds a bridge of acceptance from where you are to where you could be. Why don't we stand? I'm excited about this series. Hope you've got some things to think about. Do we ever think about things when we leave here? I mean, I I try and gear it so that we do. Did anyone even renovate their garden after the vision series? Like, please. Oh, thank you. One hand, two. There we go. At least, did anyone do a bit of an internal renovation on their life and their mind? Awesome. So why don't we pray? about the best things in our life and about the worst things. Heavenly Father, we stand before you and as the word says, we are naked, really. We can't hide a thing before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So you know us. We're only kidding ourselves when we act different. And Father, we thank you for our strengths. We thank you for how you've made us, how you've made us to be. Whether we were born with those as natural talents or whether they're gifts that Christ has given us when we came to know him or whether the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through us, whatever it is that causes us to have those hero moments, we, we lay it solidly at your feet and we give you praise. Thank you 
thank you for making us heroes at times. We, we really, we bless you for that. And we also acknowledge that we're not there yet, that there's gaps, that there's difficult things, there's failures, there's memories, there's, there's things that we have to overcome if we're going to move into our future and glorify you fully. So Lord, we just ask for grace right now for every heart, everyone under the sound of my voice. Just grace for those moments that we're less than fully human. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, renew us, refresh us. Help us to be the people you've called us to be. In Jesus' name. While our heads about, maybe you need grace for a gap in your life right now. Maybe you've never actually sort of come to God, come to Jesus, looking for that unmerited favour, love that you did not earn. The love of God is there, my friend, for you right now, right here in the room, online, wherever you are, listening to this on a podcast right now on the radio. There's grace for you right now. And you can connect your life to the life of God the way Abraham did, simply by trusting and exercising faith. You could say something like, Jesus, I believe you're real and I recognise I need you in my life. And if you made that decision, then Matt's going to let you know what you can do next.